0: Welcome to Over Dinner Tonight. I'm your host, Alexa Buckley. I sit down and dine with some of the world's most interesting and inspiring voices. And we have the kind of conversations that can only happen over the ritual of dinner. So grab a plate and get ready for some very delicious Spanish food.
1: Test, test, test. Let me know. Sure, I put my
0: Uh, Yeah. Monica Padman is just arriving at Bar Maruno on Los Angeles' Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake. So did you record today? How was your day? We We did. Okay, and we are getting Monica mic'd up. Something she is no stranger to. She was just recording an Armchair Expert episode a few hours ago. Also, for the uninitiated, Monica is a podcast extraordinaire. She runs a podcast empire that first began with her show Armchair Expert which she co-hosts with her dear friend and actor-comedian-filmmaker, Dax Shepard. The empire has since expanded beyond its flagship to include shows like Monica and Jess Love Boys, a great podcast about dating, and Race to 35, one I personally love, which chronicles the step-by-step journey of Monica freezing her eggs before turning 35.
1: Hello. Look at the ladies in color. Oh my gosh, I blazer mean, ladies. Trail so
0: true. Maddie is here. Hello. Hi. Good to see you. So good
2: I'm so happy because I'm the only person who knows both of you. I know. But we're
0: cool. talking about
2: the glue. Are you
0: Maddie are. is most definitely the glue. Maddie is also an award-winning editor and writer, and you've probably read her work in The New York Times, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, Glamour, Vanity Fair, and just about everywhere else. She is the author of the much anticipated new book titled Young and Restless, The Girls Who Sparked America's Revolutions, which tells the untold story of the teenage girls who are at the forefront of America's most transformative social movements and largely rewritten out of this history. And I am not just saying this as her friend, it is truly without question the best thing I've read all year. Should
2: we look at the menu Yeah, 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 let's look at the menu. I love That's the idea that this is happening while we eat, while we eat and drink.
1: Very. Oh, yum. So this will all come up in four flights as And this
0: there. is the owner of Bar Maruno, David. He is taking care of us tonight, and he is the absolute best. He's laid out very beautiful menus featuring his delicious roster of wines and cocktails and food inspired by Southern Spain featuring live fire cooking, vibrant Spanish and African spices... And an unparalleled selection of tinned fish.
1: Cocktails are here. I mean, why not look at them? I mean, I start with a cocktail. cocktail. Never, <laughs> never. Love your restaurant. Thank you so much for having us here.
0: It's just the yeah. coolest.
2: This is this so really nice. awesome. I've been
1: dying to come. It's oh. been on my list for a while. Well, I guess I'm open only open one. for 14 months. So I have to I walk hour. by it a fair amount and oh, I'm do. always thinking I need to go. Okay, well then it's on you. Yeah, it's on, me. yeah. it's on me. We live in New <laughs> York and <laughs> we're blameless, yeah. but she so, on the uh, other hand uh,
2: <laughs> next time you walk by you know,
1: have okay. a Okay. I will. I will, I will. We're here all the time. Okay. Be I I afraid, she might come for breakfast. I know. <laughs> yeah, be coffee. careful what you tell me I can <laughs> and can't do. Okay, so how did the two of you
0: first meet?
2: You reached How out we meet? Oh, to for, me yeah for the I, article.
1: That's right, I
2: profiled her for Vanity Fair. So the Vanity Fair
0: yes. article was the first meeting.
2: Yes, I couldn't believe people weren't writing about her constantly. So I pitched my editor at Vanity Fair and he was like, that's a great idea. It's very nice. And then I wrote it. But I did leave the Zoom thinking, like, I have to be her friend long-term.
1: It was obvious. There were sparks. There were sparks. sparks. Sparks
2: flew. And then it was like, then we were cool. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to send you a copy of my book. Yeah. Mm, and I'm we were excited. texting. And we were texting. And then we saw each other in March. And that's the
1: only time we've seen each other? That yeah. feels weird. But that
2: was a great time.
1: Yeah, we had a really great time. And I made her really late for another dinner.
2: It was. Yeah, I was a little <laughs> late, actually. Didn't we hang out for like four hours? Yes. Yeah, we did, and more and more people joined. <laughs> yeah, my friend Anna came, and then and she like left. brought her girlfriend. <laughs> oh yeah! What a great prestige! Yeah, it was. It was oh, I hope magical. the second date is just the same. And oh, I like get to be to part a good of start. start. We we're are. off to a good start. Um, I stuck the landing on my drink choice. I you, feel like <laughs> everything's going well. We're doing great. Um, I'm taking my first bite of I'm something. I'm taking my manchego. So not, there's Montego, there are nuts, there. there's
0: bread on the table. We ordered our cocktails. Mm. Thank you both for coming to dinner, first of all. Oh my God. This Thank is really for special us. for me. Um, first, because I've known you, Maddie.
2: Yeah, we knew each other a long college, time.
0: Which is now not kind of a long time ago. A long time ago. I love think we sat together next to each other in a history seminar.
2: Oh, we did. Out. And my first memory of you was that I was wearing my favorite scarf, and you were like, I love that scarf.
1: Ooh, fashion oh again. No. Wow! And I remember myself.
2: thinking like she has good taste, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so That's I like her.
0: Scarf. And Monica, this is my first time meeting you, but you know, I me. would be playing it cool if I wasn't like I'm the biggest fan of Armchair Expert, so nice. and it was also my pandemic companion, like the long walks after the
1: long <laughs> did days. Did you also
2: think you were the only person? I listening did. To I, I t- told t- everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like I converted a few, people, but. No, I lo- everyone should tell everyone to listen. Don't just assume. No, you can't assume. <laughs> Please don't assume. We want to do a lot more years. <laughs> Wait, before we move forward, yes. um, I need to tell people, because you two are both too humble to say it, that the college you went to oh, yes. <laughs> was, in fact, Harvard. And then last time I saw you, which was, I guess, the first time we were actually meeting. Yes. I had the audacity (laughs) to wear a Harvard sweatshirt, a school I did not attend. And I thought, even before I met you, I thought, should I switch my sweatshirt? (laughs) But no, I don't think she went there, so it's fine. And then of course you said, nice sweatshirt. (laughs) Did you go there? Yep. Whoops. You pulled it
2: off. We would be lucky to have you.
1: Not we to would interrupt. be lucky. Yum. Yum.
0: And we marinated feta, finished with pizza.
2: Yeah.
1: Beautiful.
0: Wow. That looks this incredible. This looks yes. Look yes. so yes. good.
2: Okay, look at these delicious cocktails. Yes. Oh, Monica, one
0: with your most beautiful
2: order. Mm. That is rich. Flowers. I can't believe it flowers. It's like a vase and a drink. Yes. <laughs> a vase and a drink. Nice. And
1: Thank one. you. Wow.
0: Oh, yours is really beautiful too.
1: They all go really nicely together. They look really good.
0: Cheers! Cheers. Oh, this is so fun. So did either of you have any, as a tried and true New Yorker growing up in New York,
2: Georgia, any rituals around food or dinner growing up? First of all, we were not a family who all ate together during the week. My parents both worked all the time. My dad's an artist, so he often was out at night for dinner. But we had Friday night dinner for Shabbat every single week and Shabbat lunch, where my parents, still to this day, invite 30 people every Saturday lunch of my entire life. You're both invited. I was gonna say, Monica and I, we're coming. You gotta come. It's really fun. And I feel like, actually, it's part of the reason I became a writer is because when I was a kid, I loved talking to people at those lunches, I loved being treated like a grown up. I yeah. loved meeting interesting people, and there was like totally the expectation that even though we were kids, we would fully participate and hang out and drink Be wine. An and
1: oh my god, yeah. you drank wine?
2: Not when I was like six, but by the time I was fourteen. Wow! Don't arrest my parents. Um,
1: <laughs> oh my god, statute of limitations. We yeah, they're fine. <laughs>
2: they're clean. Uh, Yeah, it was just not a lot, but it was very much like ritual. You know, you say the blessing on the wine, you say the blessing on the bread. And lunches started around 1 and they didn't end until like 5.30. Wow. That's amazing. That's
0: really cool. And that was
2: every single week. So I feel like that was my most powerful food memory. That's nice.
0: And it still happens now.
2: Yeah, and we don't do, Jason and I don't do Shabbat lunch as much, but we have people over for Shabbat dinner like most weeks. Alexa hasn't been able to come. I think partially the reason I love it so much is because most of the time, unless you're meeting Monica for the first time and she invites a series of friends to also come, you don't really get to meet other people's friends when you so hang true. out with them at dinner, yes. uh, or if you're doing this. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> this having people hat.
2: over is like a way to make everyone be friends with each other. Yeah.
1: So you obviously don't have that fear that a lot of people have. A friend mixing? Yes. I have
2: gotten over it. Okay. Why do we
1: have that? I think it's, honestly, I think it's a fear of of being abandoned, ultimately. It's that those people will become better friends and then they'll leave you. Yeah. So that's, I think, why some people have it more than others. People who are more, have a bigger fear of abandonment or are more insecure. And
0: also because... There are some friend groups where you have like different modes of operating. Mm-hmm. And the idea of
2: being Or like, they know different sides of you. Yeah, and oh, being yeah. all the
0: versions of yourself at one
1: time. Yes. There's some rules.
2: There are some rules. So what about growing um, up in Georgia?
1: Okay. So for me same in that it wasn't like we had family dinners every night or everyone sat down together ever. Um also, and this is unfortunate. This is a something I wish I could go back and change. But I was such a picky eater, and I was very averse to anything Indian. So if my mom was making something Indian, she always made an American, like a grilled cheese, or scrambled eggs, or something disgusting <laughs> for me, or like fish sticks. Um, oh, fish sticks. I know, God, it was I know. In the 90s. I know, my mom's making like this delicious, you know, chicken curry or something. And you're like, and craft like, singles only. Yes, grilled cheese, make it now. And she did, like, so there was kind of two meals going often at the house, and. What a good mom. She is, it's, it's unfair. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's because you become an adult and you start realizing those little baby things, even that, the idea of making two meals. If I have kids, I'm never doing that. I'm like, this is what you're having for dinner or you're not eating dinner. And that's the end of that. And she didn't do that.
0: Returning to Maddie's debut book, Young and Restless. The book has been named the best books of 2023 by Vogue, among the most anticipated nonfiction books by Glamour, and many others. First of all, it is so good. Mm-hmm. It is so important. I agree. It essentially tells the story and the stories of the girls, the teenage girls, who are at a sort of forefront and the beginnings of important historic and social movements and have been rewritten out of that history. And for anyone having dinner listening, can't recommend it mm-hmm. enough. I've heard you talk about the book. I mean, you talked about it, you talked about as you were writing and I think finishing the book, thinking about what you wanted for these girls and whether it was fame or that they were right or recognized. And I'm curious now that it's finished and it's like launching in a world, have you decided what you want for them?
2: What a good question. Um, I think that I feel a responsibility, I guess, to not want too much anything for them that they don't want for themselves, since a big part of the story of the book is recognizing how adults, and it does pain me to put myself in the adult category rather than the cool teenage girl category, but it's true. I felt that way reading it too. I was like, it's Why tough. This? It's hard to be old. Um, but. Uh, I do feel like a lot of people have asked themselves throughout history how can they use teenage girls and how can they harness their power for some other end and so I feel a sense of obligation to let these girls make whatever they want of their own stories. I would say that uh, someone read the book recently and told me after that it made them feel powerful reading it and I really did feel like I never could have articulated that but That is the most amazing thing I could ever hope someone would feel after the book, that seeing these examples makes you realize that you have a lot more control and power in your life than you thought you did. So I would say what I want for us is to feel powerful.
0: I love that so much because in the book you talk, I think the word you use is like the tropes of girlhood and you use these things that are innately or often associated with women, so like gossip and a flair for drama, And you argue that they're kind of like assets that make girls potentially uniquely fitted
2: to be activists. And so, first of all, how did you discover that? So, I used to work in women's magazines and I worked at Elle and then I worked at Glamour and I came across a lot of amazing girls in that process. I profiled Greta Thunberg for Glamour. I spent a lot of time with the girls and young people from Parkland who were fighting the gun violence epidemic. And I thought, you know, there's this amazing thing happening right now in American life where girls are on the forefront of all these movements that they're planning Black Lives Matter rallies and they're marching in Parkland, and they're lobbying their congresspeople. And I thought, you know, maybe there's a book here of what's happening with this generation of girls such that they are leading in this way. And I guess I knew from my own good education about the civil rights movement, and I knew about the student-led aspects of that movement, but it was really humbling to start doing more research. Before the book was a real book idea, just when I was like in the research phase of things, To see that actually almost every major movement in this country has had girls at the vanguard in the very beginning. The thing that was the most interesting to me, and the reason I came up with that sort of rubric for the whole thing, was that uh, I learned about the Lowell Mill Girls, who in the 1830s founded kind of the first, one of the first major labor unions in America. And they had left behind tons of diaries and poems and kind of doodles and like all the things I associate with being 12 or 14,
1: passing notes. Lisa Frank. Totally,
2: like if only they had had stickers. (laughs) And I could see the way the idea for the strike kind of took root the same way like passing notes in class would happen. And that got me thinking and I thought about the girls I know now who do this work now and I thought like, They're so sarcastic, they're so funny, they're so much smarter and quicker than some of the men who are trying to stifle them. And that got me thinking about all this stuff. And yes, you can see when you are a student of history that gossip is like one of the most potent forces for social change ever in the entire world. And girls, obviously, no one can go up against them. I mean, I (laughs) challenge you. We are the best of the best. We are the most accomplished gossips the universe has ever seen.
1: (laughs) It's also gossip is evolutionarily built in to yes. check the higher forces. Like that's why it actually exists. And you're right, women have just they just know how they've aced it. Yeah. it. enough.
0: it's why I'm so glad you said that. That's what the person said. It made them feel powerful. It's exactly how I felt, and I probably wouldn't have been able to articulate that. What's sort of cool about the two? And there are many things that are cool about the two of you. But you both do many things, but you both ask questions in so many ways for your profession, in your writing, in your show. I guess I'd love to know what you love most about asking questions.
1: Ooh, that's interesting. I think I like, I like projecting the focus away from me. <laughs> Same. Yeah, like being curious in an observational way across the board from when I was little, that's how I sort of That was my manipulation, honestly, in a lot of ways, was who does this person need me to be so that I stay relevant to them, again, so that I don't get abandoned, back to that original conversation. But it requires a lot of listening and a lot of asking questions and a lot of understanding of who that person is in order to then understand what they need from you. Now it's just a fun hobby of understanding people's quirks. You all have them.
2: I would have to seriously retrain my brain to be like an investigative adversarial journalist because I think I've fallen a little bit in love with every person I almost have ever profiled or spent real time with. It's just so intoxicating to try to understand someone, as I'm sure you know. The best part about asking questions is feeling like you're falling a little bit in love with someone. Like you're understanding what makes them tick and you're understanding why they do the things they do or what drives them. And I just love understanding how people got where they're at. Just the feeling of unwind your life for me a little bit. Yeah. It's so fun. Well,
1: it's human. Before we started, I was saying that we interviewed someone today, I won't say who, who I think a lot of people might villainize. Tantalizing. You know. People are multifaceted, and you're going to see all the parts, and there's going to be good parts. There might be bad parts, but it's just pretty interesting to see that we're all we're all
0: the same. Well, that's what makes your show so special, also, is that that's what you communicate. Yeah. And that's sort of the magic of the two be together. Is there an interview that you're most proud of?
1: What about you? I honestly think of all the ones that I feel the most proud of, it was Monica Lewinsky. Oh, yeah. Because... Well, one I felt proud that she trusted us. Yeah. That was a huge honor and made us feel like, "Oh, we're we're doing something right if she will lend her voice to us and feel like she's able to be vulnerable when she has gone through the most insane ringing. I, mean, I mean, I can't believe what we we as a society did to her. It is she's a true survivor. So I I I'm, I'm proud that she Felt that she could do that, and then I'm proud that we put that out there so that people could hear oh, yeah, that's awful. Let's not do that again. Let's yeah. try not to do that again. Really good one. What about you, interview wise?
2: I would say, I mean, traveling with Dr. Biden for oh, the so Harper's cool. Bazaar cover was. Definitely one of the coolest reporting Remember experiences at I've ever had. dinner after that?
0: Had. I have a really busy week, so I'm going to be there to talk to Biden for about five days, and then I'm getting married. Yeah, I got married oh one week gosh. later.
2: So that was dramatic. <laughs> um, but I also think I spent mostly my entire professional career until like two years ago thinking I really had nothing personal to write about myself at all. And I did write about my family last year in a big story for the Atlantic about my great uncle and my family's leaving Germany and coming to America. And I did feel really, really proud of that because that was a story I had grown up with that I never thought I would write about, not because I felt ashamed of it, not at all, but because I really didn't think I had anything to add to the reams of stories that are out there about the Holocaust. Yeah. And I went on many trips to Germany and was there, you know, four times in three years plus the pandemic. Wow. And still didn't really think I would write about it. And then finally felt pushed and moved to do it. And I felt really proud that after all these years of thinking I'm the least interesting person, I gave that story, which I do think matters and is important actual room to breathe and be out there, and I feel like I'll be proud that I did that forever.
0: It requires a certain level of vulnerability. Yes. And I think it's actually kind of the magic and the special sauce of your show, Monica, which is creating space for people to be so vulnerable without judgment. And I'm curious, does it come natural to you to be vulnerable, or is it like a muscle you've had to exercise? how do
1: you do that? Well, I think it's a muscle, but I also think we tricked ourselves because (laughs) Dax and I are best friends, and so we're in this tiny attic at his house where we're always already are, you know? And it's just easy for us two to be vulnerable together. And I've told this story before, but at the very beginning of the show, kind of before we really got going, I think maybe he brought up something that was personal about me, and after I said I don't know if I want to be talking about that, or it was probably my lack of relationships, and 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 he said, well, that's that's fine, that is totally up to you, but just so you know, I think that's that's what connects people is just really being honest about your yourself and, and then I had all these weird opinions like well what about what about when I meet my husband, won't he be mad that there's nothing just for him? Like I had all these kind of ideas yeah, about yeah, what it meant to yeah. share my entire life with everyone. And he sort of reassured me that no, you're still gonna have that. You're still gonna have intimate moments and the day to day is not gonna be shared with everyone Wait, that too. It used to be
0: so weird to have people who feel like they know you, but yes. they really, they know a piece of you. I watched the your clip on Kimmel in Paris. Yes. And he mentions <laughs> dating, and I feel like there's a second that flashes over your eyes where you're like, are you serious?
1: <laughs> like, what? I did. What? I was, I'm sure. I, I be was the same. Shocked. I was yeah. shocked. I think I even <laughs> said like, oh, like we're going there or something. And then he said, will you have a whole podcast about <laughs> Do it? Do you know? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Yes. That's right. Like I. Totally forget, and it's it's nice to forget, honestly. Because yeah. if I might get really in my head. If, I
0: was
2: gonna say, if
1: not. Will I'm you tell so the so story much. of meeting Dax and the beginnings
0: of what is now your yeah. empire?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, we have, we had um, mutual friends, and so I would see them at like some parties every now and then and stuff, and then I. um I was acting at the time, and I booked an episode of Kristen's TV show, House of Lies, and I was babysitting. That's how I was really making money, and so we hung out that day, because I was on her show, and I said, hey, just so you know, I also babysit if you ever need a babysitter, because they had just had their first kid, and like two weeks later, she called me to date night babysit, and that is when I first started. That's when I first met him. I had never like, really met him before. And they started calling me a lot for that. And then at some point, once they had their second delta, they needed more help. And they asked if I wanted to come on, but more full time as a nanny. And I, at first, was not really on board because I was really protective of my acting You're career. Acting. Yes. And I, th- I said, I'm going to have to be able to go to auditions. I'm going to be, yeah. you know, and they're like, we-, we can make all that work. And Dax's sister, Carly, also works with the family and so you know I felt comfortable enough that I'd be able to do both and so I did it and then yeah then him and I would just chat all the time and we'd have arguments all the time and debate all the time and at some point he he had done a few podcasts and then decided he wanted to do one because he really liked the long form conversation that was the big draw for him and um and I said I can figure out how to help with that and then I did. Wow. And then he said, he said, I think you should be on.
0: And so you started recording in the attic five years ago.
1: We did. Yeah. Five years. We talked five, about this when we got
0: here, Maddie. They're about to do their six hundredth episode. That's insane. I Isn't that know. amazing. It
1: is insane. It is. is insane.
0: Your relationship with Dax. You obviously have this like really special chemistry. Yeah. And when you leave the audio, do you guys have? That same banter when you're with your friends, or do you have like different modes of operating together in different spaces? No,
1: it's pretty true to form, yeah. and I think that is part of why it works because yeah. that's it's very real. Our conversations are very real; they're not put on. And putting that on in a lot of work relationships is great like I I think that's great to, to have a work relationship you're not advocating for radical honesty for all <laughs> I'm not I'm not and also I think it's actually good to have boundaries I think it's good to have personal relationships and then work relationships but we didn't do that for better or worse so yeah that is how we hang out and how we talk and when we all hang out our whole friendship group it's it's that
2: but it's funny because I feel like after the pandemic lifted and we started socializing again, I for the first time in my life would have this feeling sometimes after I saw someone like a friend, a mm-hmm. close friend for, you know, like two hours or three hours over dinner, I would leave and I would be like, what did I say? Mm-hmm. Like I would have this feeling, which I never used to have of being like, was I weird? We were rusty after two years of <laughs> We isolation. were rusty. Yeah. I will never forget that I, the first event I went to after mm-hmm. being vaccinated was my friend's book party and somebody who i admire somebody who blurbed my book actually oh. who i ha- didn't really know introduced themselves to me and instead of introducing myself back i said thank you <laughs> this happened That's to me. so
1: endearing. Though. and i was like
2: the second i said it i was like what and i actually had to leave the party i was like i can't be here anymore this is a disaster my first
0: post pandemic i said instead of i'm alexa you know like as you do I said, "This is Alexa." Like I was. <laughs>
1: the oh my god! The
2: like you were person. the Amazon
1: Alexa. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> like <laughs> that when you're an that. assistant and you're like, "I have Alexa." Yeah. But
2: it was live, <laughs> but and it was screaming. live. Oh no! Uh. I, I couldn't recover, so I blacked
0: out. I have no idea what we talked about, oh my and that was gosh. my first post pandemic. I love that. Game. Well, that makes me feel
2: better, but. Do you ever feel that way where someone leaves and you're like, what did I just
1: say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do, but I don't think that has to do with the pandemic for me. <laughs> I think that's just, <laughs> just a of general. general. Yes. Okay, Wow. wow. we famous for history, chicken.
0: Ooh. Chicken. Yum. The salad was so good. It was. Yeah, I'm going to
1: have more. Yeah, chicken. Sure. There there's, yeah. there's a sweetness.
2: Yes. There's
0: some quince paste in the salad. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, look it's at like this. With a
2: sophisticated a palette. Amazing. Amazing. And that's on a
0: bed of what's essentially tabuli without tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, thank thank you. you. Wow. This is really delicious. Monica, I learned something really Uh-oh. exciting about you recently oh. that I worry if I talk about now, we will talk about for the rest. I will talk about for the rest of the dinner. Oh. But you are also a lover of friends.
1: Huge. I mean. In a pathological way. At this point, at this point, I've I've done. Is it amazing? It's incredible. Oh. Like that's so insane. Oh my gosh, You picked such a good rep. This is so exciting.
2: Can you walk this, please?
1: Yes, I had every episode on VHS tape. Me too. I too. You the did. The colors
0: of every season: blue, orange, green. Green was season six.
1: Wow. I've never met anyone else who's a VHS taped. Wait, you yourself? No, DVDs. No, I... No, she takes. I... Oh! She, oh, 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 she oh. bootlegged. Okay. This but. was
2: before DVDs. Are you a Friends lover? I watch them all. I mean, compared to you two, I don't <laughs> feel like I measure up, and I don't want to even put myself in the same conversation. But I will say that the Friends series finale was the first, mm-hmm. oh. like, group experience I feel like I ever, like the group entertainment experience I mm -hmm. feel like I ever had. I remember going to school the next day and like we were all talking about it and it was like I had called my friends and we like I mean, it does make a person feel quite old to be like, we called each other as soon as the episode ended, and you couldn't like re-watch the episode. Right. It just aired once
1: well, you and that was that. Well, you if you had done the right thing. <laughs> I mean, not all of us were technological <laughs> mavens. And VHS, I taped so much that night. However, I had an AP exam the next day. Yikes. So what did you do? Obviously, I didn't study or do anything for the AP exam. All of my friends were together Cramming and doing whatever they needed to do, and I was watching the finale and staying up late to watch the the special and should. crying. And I mean, really, I was in it. Me too. And my friends. It was so emotional. It was. It was. It, and it was the, the Oh, oh my God!
2: With the keys. Oh, oh, God. oh, oh my guys. God. To have that in common with your friends, mm. to all oh, like no. have watched it together and to be want to talk about it, it was very intoxicating for and to sort of a kid grow
0: up craving that ensemble, that closeness, that
1: that's why I wanted to be an actor. That really is why. Really? Yes, because I wanted that experience of I knew they were having so much fun as actors and it was translating that I never wanted to be. The star of a show. I wanted to be on an ensemble where everyone was equal and everyone was having fun. Isn't
0: that kind of cool? You kind of have that.
1: I know, but is <laughs> so bizarre. So
2: cool.
1: It is so bizarre. It's so lucky. So good, thank you. It's
2: so good. We,
1: it's so good. Wait, do you, it, you want to try the Boston?
2: Oh yeah. I'm protected by your awesome one. Yeah. beverage drinking. Um, good job. Like, I don't know, I'm like a good yeah, friend. Sure. are. Sure. I want I would like red. Red? Like. Oh, we're doing all red. of them. Oh we're doing rainbow. <gasps> How
0: do you feel as a New Yorker in LA?
2: You're a real, like I'm a real born New Yorker. And yeah, right I and know, true. You You're are. a New Yorker. Yes. Someone recently said to me, like, oh my god, I can't imagine like raising kids in New York. And I was like, well, I'm personally offended as a child who was <laughs> To in New you
0: York. that's really rude to say.
2: It's quite rude. <laughs> yeah. Don't no. feel that comfortable with me. How do I feel in LA? The fruit is better. Like the produce. Is better. There's no question. About there is it. literally no question about. There's that. no question about it. But I mean, I'm a New Yorker to my core. Like, I'll never leave. Um, I'm, I mean, I won't even leave the zip code I grew up in. Forget like leaving. Yeah. I mean, I live ten blocks away from my parents. I see them multiple times a week. It's just like not happening. That's so nice. But my brother lives here. I'm always happy to come visit. The sunshine is beautiful. It's really nice. I sat by a pool today, it's just no. not an experience you're getting on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I know. So I just think you have to recognize the strengths of the respective cities. There's another cities. strength that I
0: found. <laughs> you can drive a car, you go to a store, like the grocery store, you can buy seltzer or whatever you're craving and just drive it home. Mm. And in New York, you have to sweat for that. Like if yeah. you want to bring that home, you yeah. got to think about where you're going to stop, put it down. In LA, I was like, bring it on, I'm getting two.
2: Yeah. Well, actually the first when Jason my husband and I started dating, the very first present I remember thinking was actually good, sorry to Jason.
1: <laughs> oh, no, um, we love you Jason. <laughs> love
2: you, Jason um, was twice a month fresh direct order of seltzer because vintage you seltzer. Guys, what's
1: happening? I thought when you said seltzer, I thought that was the craziest craziest are you, a
2: seltzer are you not a seltzer person? But
1: that—what a I weird thing to say! Person. And then now you're like <laughs> doubling down. Oh, seltzer is, is my love religion. Seltzer. What? You drink it's it every so day. So good.
2: I drink it every day. At least twice. <laughs> Wait, what brand no. are you? Are you Polar or Vintage? Okay, I'm
0: actually. I've diverged. I'm going Spindrift.
2: Oh, I do. Um, I do, well, I do I like support, a sport I support Spindrift. Okay. I like a spinny, but I'm a, I'm a Vintage I seltzer love girl. Vintage. This. Size of the bubbles? No, no, we <laughs> actually drink
1: paralleled. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. You drink it on its own or as a mixer. No! By <laughs> itself! What? I could go through, I literally
2: could go through dozens per uh, week. Per day. Wow. Per day. How's okay, nice? here's the crazy thing about my parents, among many crazy things about my parents. My parents have three fridges in their New York City apartment. What? Every fridge what a has a gift. distinct purpose and the back fridge is all seltzer. <gasps> wow, honestly. No, this is my <laughs> birthright, this is my <laughs> heritage. Yeah.
1: So I'm, now I'm like, is it good or is it just nostalgia? <laughs> <laughs> you have
2: another person here attesting <laughs> that. We're gonna send you is. a pack of
0: things. Is your mom? Mm-hmm. Okay, actually, both of you have talked about your moms. Hmm. I was an early subscriber to the newsletter you have with your mother, which I'm praying
2: you're gonna bring back. We right. just recorded a conversation last week. And the topic is, spoiler alert, procrastination because we have procrastinated sending the next installment of a newsletter oh, for funny. so long. I love your mom.
0: She loves my you too. My mom is also one of the most, if not the most, important people in my life. And so I'm curious if you, if well first, if your relationship with your mom has changed over time, both of you. And then if there is a, a thing, whether it's a character trait or a pearl of wisdom that your mother has given you that sort of distinctive of this relationship? Oh god, I have so many to choose
2: from. Okay, my mother is a writer, so I think that's relevant. I never used to think about the fact that I took after her in my profession, but obviously I did. I think that she was truly always an amazing mother, but she is, I think, a gifted mother of adolescence and above. Oh, really always loved talking to us and hearing what we thought and had so much genuine interest in what was going on in our lives, except she did always say, no dreams, no episode recaps. I love her She this. never wanted to hear about our dreams. What? <laughs> and she never wanted to hear about
1: episode recaps. Oh my God, I love her. She was
2: always like, that's boring. It is. <laughs> it is. And oh I think, honestly, I could say so many things about her pearls of wisdom, but the two that I will say are, first of all, I think one thing she taught me that if and when I ever have children, I want to make sure I do, is she always made it really clear that she had her own life, and we were like the center of her universe in terms of how important we were, but she had her own friends, she had her own things she wanted to do. When she would read at night, which she still does all the time, she would say, I look like I'm here, but I'm not here. Don't talk to me
1: like she would always do that but the other
2: thing is that years and years ago when i started working and i felt so stressed about writing or about where i was in life and a lot of people go to their moms and my mom has provided me with much reassurance over the years but sometimes you need to hear something else from your mother that's not just about like how amazing you are and how everything's going to be okay and she said when she moved to new york with her best friend and her best friend's then boyfriend now husband and the three of them lived together in the girls' bathroom, they put a sign on the mirror that just said, toughen up, bitch. And oh. I was complaining about something, and she said, go home, take a piece of printer paper, write toughen up, bitch on it, and put it on your mirror, and that's what you have to tell yourself. Like, enough with this already. And I often think, wow. when I'm feeling stressed, I often think, toughen up, bitch. Like, yeah, that's life. This is Get life. with it.
1: That was my upbringing too, big time. Like, this is life sorry about it like rub some dirt in it exactly like this is this is it you have to make hard decisions you have to do whatever I mean who the hell
0: am I to say I do not have kids but to me it feels like that's the like crazy crux of parenting was like when you push and when you pull back Mm -hmm. yeah I think about this all the time like how the hell did my mom know my favorite to my mom is I was painfully shy like the
1: really I know I was the
0: most shy I credit my parents for all of the reasons that I'm no longer that way, but I was so shy and I was so afraid to make a mistake and like mm. color outside the lines, quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not that way. They, I grew up in a household where it was like, let's put the music on and dance after dinner. Oh. Like we always were dancing, they're really not big rule followers. And so when I was six, I remember so well, my mom took me into the kitchen one night and it felt really late. It was probably like eight o'clock <laughs> and she popped me onto the counter and she sat up on the counter next to me and she took out like two cartons of eggs and she gave me an egg and she was like, I want you to throw this at the ground. Oh my oh God. And God. I was like, what? Throw it at the ground. And I was like, I can't. I cannot oh, do this. this. is the this sweetest is so thing i nice. have ever
1: heard.
0: And I was like, God, I can't, Moms I can't. are
1: so special. They,
0: I, this is how, like, how the hell did she know to do this? In this moment, she invented it out of her brain. There was no internet, there was no Google being like, this is a good... No, there's no Instagram, Instagram account
2: that's like, when your kid is this being is introverted, how to hurt it. this is what to When
0: your kid is to shy. Yes. And so I said, Mom, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And so she threw an egg, she threw the next one, she threw the next one. And finally she gave me one, and she was like, Mom. And we threw 24 eggs. All over the kitchen, like through them, and she was oh. like, "I want you to just let loose." And I still remember sitting there, my legs dangling on the thing, and like, "Okay, okay." And then on the, Now look at the
2: entrepreneur she is today. Oh, she gave you permission. That's yes, so lovely. I have so much admiration for parents because the responsibility of raising a child from like the time where they don't know how to do literally one thing I mean, to be a human in the world—it's it amazing. It's amazing people keep doing it. It's so hard. It seems so
1: hard. It is. And scary. I mean, it's like, you know, that the whole axiom about that's your heart walking outside of your body to let them just like do, go, be, especially right now, the idea of like even sending them to school is
0: terrifying. Speaking of vulnerability, one of my favorite things that you did, Monica, was the race to 35 podcast. Speaking it was, a so no, it was so me good. It was so good. motherhood, but also, well, first of all, thank you from all of us thank who you. are thinking about doing this. I want to do it later this year. I have the one good. million questions. Yes, please. That in so many ways, a lot of them you answered in the show about freezing your eggs yeah. and the process of doing it. I'm curious now that you've gone through the like tactical and logistical effort mm-hmm. of sharing it and doing it, yeah. how do you feel now having processed the, the emotional part of it?
1: Yeah, it's really funny because it was just Mother's Day. Sorry if we're dating whatever we're doing, um, but Mother's Day has just come. And it was the first year, because every year people will post things and say things acknowledging that it can be a hard day for people. And I always read that and I, I understand logically what they mean. But my mother is still with me, luckily. And so I don't have very conflicting feelings on the day until this year. It was the first year that I woke up and I thought, Ugh, oh, yeah. oh, people are celebrating as they should and they deserve it. And our moms rule the world. I have so much admiration. But I did think, oh, man, that's something I don't know if I'll ever be able to have. And I have accepted in sort of recent months that I do want it. And it's taken me a long time to get there. I've always, my whole life, been like, I don't know. And that's real. Like, I I don't know. I I wasn't someone who had dolls and was like, I'm I'm the mommy always. I, I wasn't born like that. And my mom is such a good mom, but she's tough. I think I got a lot of that from her. She is... A very good caretaker but I wouldn't say she's the most nurturing yeah. in a conventional sense so I didn't grow up with that model either so I never really knew oh is that a thing I I want and then sort of in recent months I've I've had to through therapy come to terms with I, I, I do and that doesn't mean I will and that's a okay, that you know those two are they can both be true and one comes at with a lot, it comes with more of a loss having that acknowledgement if I don't.
0: Was the process of going through the egg the sort of like precipitated this kind I of... I think so. Yeah.
1: I think so. And really putting in the effort and it's a weird enlightening experience. I can't remember. And it's, but it's so important ever since I did it and I am doing it again. I'm doing yeah. it in a couple months. Okay. Um, Every single person I know who's young, I I tell them to do it. (laughs) Just, I know and I know it's expensive and it's so annoying and it is not fun. Like, all of that is true. But you will be so happy down the road, even if you don't use them, even if you never use them, just the idea that you've done something for yourself to give yourself whatever time you need is helpful, I think.
0: I also think like for women, and this is the worst it's the worst thing. But I feel like to take that out of the equation changes the game completely. Like 100%. taking the time frame out of the equation it doesn't remove the people who constantly ask you about your dating life.
1: Yes. But it
0: does remove the internal conversation of being like, this is my own timeline and I've got other things.
1: To
2: do. Women cannot be Robert De Niro, father and children at age <laughs> no, 79. It's
1: really annoying because it's just going to take a really long time for evolution to catch up, And but that's what's happening. More women own homes now than men, young women women are career driven as they 100% should be and we want more equity and we want all of that, but it comes at this cost. And so it is really important for it to be in the zeitgeist, like in the conversation, social conversation, that people need to get ahead of it. Because I was not expecting for my result to be my result at all. And I, you know, immediately thought, oh, I should have done this five years ago. I should have done this five years ago. And I wasn't on my radar, right. and I think just putting it on people's radar, even when you're not in that headspace is actually when you should be doing it, <laughs> before you're there. And you can there. take the
0: emotion out of that, too, if you're not in the headspace. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. You yeah. can just do it. I mean, you can't just do it. That's the unfortunate piece. It's so expensive. It's I do think that will change. I hope. I mean, that is, I'm really trying to push for it. I'm not trying to do some private sector stuff to like make it a little bit more but it's hard well also it's confusing
0: like Mm -hmm. until you did what you did I don't know if you've ever thought about this but I was thinking about being like I don't even know I don't know what's going to feel like I don't know what's going to happen to me like how much is it going to affect what I'm doing yes and no one talks about it nobody talks about Mm -hmm. it and it is amazing because I do feel like it's it is now starting to become part of the conversation but only in so much that people are saying they're doing it and, like, yeah. what does it mean to do it and go through it is a whole different
1: thing. I had been planning on doing it for a long time. My best friend did it. She works at a company that pays for it. So she did it many years ago. So that was my first entree into it. And right. I, I had no idea. And she was telling me. And then I gave her one of her shots. It was just, like, over at her house for dinner. And she's like, do you want to do it? That's I was amazing.
0: like, Yeah sisterhood.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's powerful. And so then I knew 35 and so that was coming up and I thought I think it'd be good for me to record this and I was gonna write it and then ultimately I thought why wouldn't I just do a podcast about it and it was for the good of putting of that story out there yes. but it also was I knew that would be helpful for me during the process. Really? Was it helpful or was it hard? Oh it was so helpful during it, after was hard. Yeah, yeah. But during it, it, there was a purpose to it. It was full blown camp. We were in it. Everything was eggs. We would do the, <laughs> everything. What? Everything was eggs. We'd do our shots at night together, and then we'd wake up, and then we'd work forward and if that. We'd be in that world, and then we like go get you know like face massages or whatever, right, and then yeah, do the shots again. It was it was really special that whole experience. So I thought, oh, I want to do a podcast. And, and oh, I, sh- I always think podcasts are better when there's conversation. So I want to do this with someone. So I wonder if anyone else is thinking about doing it. And I just randomly thought of Liz. Um, I just texted her and said, hey, have you ever considered freezing your she, she said, you are not going to believe this. But I, like, three days ago just looked into it. And I was like, okay. And... I said, it's gonna be a little tricky because we're gonna have to sort of sync up. And she's like, well, I just started my period. I was like, I just started my period. Wow. It meant. It was this like weird sort of meant to be thing. Yeah. And yeah. You I also had so many great people
2: on the show for that. Esther Perel being my patron saint. I know, I, mean, I
1: know.
0: She's incredible. Awesome. She really is. Is there one thing that she's given you? She's been what on
2: all show our lost. shows. She
1: was on Monica and Where Jess. doesn't
2: she fit? I, I mean, know, her. I
1: know. She's been on Armchair, she's been on Monica and Jess, and she was on Race of 35. I actually think the best thing she gave me was from Monica and Jess. And she said, like, you have a gremlin on your shoulder, and he's there to protect you, but you don't need him anymore. And what does she mean by the gremlin? The, the guy who sits there and, and is... Is, there to, is saying, like, don't don't put yourself out there, don't do this, or they only like you because of this. He's, he is protecting you. That's why he exists, and he has served you along the way, but you don't need him anymore. So it's, like, say goodbye to him and say thank you for what you've given me, and I no longer need you. And it was very helpful. I mean, she's given a a priceless amount of wisdom. I I remember when I met her for this story, which at this point was years
2: ago. Like, it has to be 2018 or something like that. She couldn't help, obviously, but ask about my relationship status. (laughs) And Jason and I have been together for nine years in November, so we were already together at that point. And she said to me, and I guess I must have made some self-conscious, like, we've been together forever, we've been together since we were babies, kind of, like, thing, because I felt like, oh, I don't even have anything to tell her because I've been in the same relationship for so long. And she just saw right through that so quick. And she was like, no, you've been in many relationships just with the same person, Mm, obviously.
1: Chills.
2: And, but it's so true like that is the nature of being in long term partnership is you change and the person changes and you have been in many relationships where you just happen to be the same technical people but you change so much and I was like oh my god The first time I heard her on a podcast is she sort of said
0: something to the effect of, you know, if you're marrying someone, you might be signing up for like three, four, five relationships. Yes. And it also makes the sort of the sanctity of the commitment romantic in a different way, right? That like you're signing up to do this evolution with something that might change and like bob and weave over time. But the part kind of like core of it is what you're signing
1: up for. But I think that should be exciting. It is exciting. It's I like also think not it's stuck. true in
2: friendships too. Yes. I think it it's is. true in like human relationship. And I think there's a lot of liberation in that to yes. be like, this is just what it means to be doing life alongside another
1: person. Yes. And just with the understanding that we decided, decided yes. to right. be together and, and then do this side it. by side. Yes. Yes. yes.
0: And now for some really, really good dessert. Tonight we are having churros and flan.
1: Oh wow! wow. Oh, God. Mm.
2: Flan and churros. Ooh, okay, yum. amazing. Two different mm. textures.
1: Good for Ooh,
0: this is so speaking of. So okay, first of all, I feel like flan is—you either love it or you don't. The texture is divisive. The
2: thing is, I do find it divisive, and I don't actually always love it. But there's something that's very appealing about this. Yeah, I mean, the
1: oatmeal milk piece sounded really nice on the menu. Yeah. Okay,
2: here we go. I'm going for Let's it. Let's do it.
1: Too. Let's do it. Ooh. It's so good. It's really mm. good. Very
2: good. I love flamb. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's revealing itself to me over time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, first of all, I'm curious, well, one, how's dating? And two, yes. are you so tired of people wondering? Wondering one and having advice to Oh. That was my like number or opinion. Opinion is a better word. That was my number one thing in dating feeling like everybody had an opinion and how could they? With like, everybody's yeah. experience
1: being so, so different.
0: I found that to be such a strange thing where it's like, yeah, sure we all do it, but it's all so different.
1: It is. It doesn't bother me. Just in case it's helpful. It might be helpful, whatever the people are saying. Um,
2: well, it depends on the source.
1: Mm-hmm. It also depends for me on how well they know me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because sure. I do think a lot of people have opinions, like when they hear about my dating history and stuff, they make a lot of assumptions. And so, oh, are you religious? Or are you, you know, there must be a reason. The answer is no. That's sort of just okay, the way my to- life. Well, it's just the way it all unfolded. That I think is hard for people to wrap their head around when they've just had a much different life experience. Exactly. And especially having this new realization that I, oh, I want children. That brings up a lot of questions that I now have to address. Okay, Mm. so am I going to do this by myself? I, I can try or... Am I gonna try not to do that? Am I really gonna try to put myself out there for a while and see what I see?
2: I think this actually is a factor of having grown up in the particular Jewish community that I grew up in, but I knew way more, I think, than most people, women who had kids by themselves. My mom's cousin did it, who we are very close to, and one of my sister's best friends as a kid who was in her nursery school class, his mom did it, and there were just a lot of examples of that. that that. And it was before a lot of this conversation about like egg freezing or donors. other interesting family arrangements, donors, any of that stuff. And yeah. it was completely normal life. Like even as a kid, I thought, well, if I don't meet someone, I'll just do that. Like plenty of people, to me it seemed like a disproportionate number of people did it. Then wow. after I grew up and was out in the world, I was like, it doesn't seem like a lot of people do this <laughs> at all. But now I'm like, that's brave that they did that then.
1: Extremely. Like, think, that's nice. I think that's lovely that you grew up in that where it was sort of normalized. Definitely not for me. Definitely not. I, th- that was I have zero examples of anyone doing that. But it might be the way. I don't it's know. It's just
2: funny that that's true and I know that that's true because it's so normal to get divorced. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. So it's not that different than having a donor anyway. Uh, well, we, yeah.
0: I think, are sort of like very specific age group of women are at the very beginning of not only like egg freezing being such a normal part of every conversation, whether or not you're in a relationship, which I think is the most interesting part. But also I think inherent in that is this idea that like women are just taking control. And I think when that becomes the norm, this will become way less rare because it's like oh, I'm taking. You, you have
1: sister. to, right? But like, I
2: do. But, but it requires men to not feel intimidated by that, which I think is still a problem. Well,
1: well, that's also yeah. why sometimes you have to, because right. these relationships don't work a lot when when women are are outnumbering men in so many ways and increasingly so. Right. Yet it's still a patriarchy, so they still hold a lot of control and. You know, it's just, we, we are in a, such a weird time with all of that. It's going to take some figuring out of how this is all going to shake out. And I want women to take more control and just get those eggs on ice early so that there's eggs, some. Eggs have been like
2: a to- recurrent theme of this dinner.
1: I know. <laughs> the yeah. eggs on the floor. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> the we eggs have, in our bodies. We didn't need any, though. Time we didn't need any. Having eggs. That we know of. That we
0: Okay, my favorite dessert question is: if you could have one food for the rest of your life, we're not talking about health. Health doesn't matter here.
2: What would it be? I know my answer because I truly have a favorite food, and it is really weird. And that's how you'll know oh, that I can't it's wait. true. Is
1: it seltzer base? <laughs> that's that's <our> s- food.
2: <laughs> seltzer based
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, matzo balls yes, I seltzer
1: <laughs> No,
2: I actually think if I could have one for the rest of my life, it would be artichokes. Mmm. What? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have to say, it's a food and an activity, so it's actually perfect for a desert island.
1: Is it gonna nourish you though? Because you do have to do a lot of prep and then it's like a teeny bite. Think of how bored you are there.
0: Hey Monica, what's your desert island food?
1: Um, I I have a question about this question. Yes. Is it like a specific food, like cheese? Like it's cheese. Yes, yeah. Or is it a burger? where there's multiple pieces to it. Either one. Oh wow. Oh my God. Oh God.
2: I know, it's really hard. If only you loved anything as much as
1: I love artichokes. You know what, I'm gonna go pizza. Great answer. answer. I'm going pizza. I love pizza. I I could eat pizza every day for the rest of my
2: life, I could. Are you a
0: red eye person? When are you leaving on Friday?
2: I'm a day flight person. You're a day flight person. Yeah, I can actually sleep anywhere. It's my claim to fame. You can? Can you? Close my eyes and I'm out. No. I've never once, never in my entire life, ever like lay awake at night.
0: Really? Okay, I was reminded of of my dear brother last night when he was like, "Are you taking your red eye home?" I was like, "No, I'm a day flight person too." He was taking a red eye last night, and he reminded me of a story that I blocked out of my brain until last night. The reason I don't take red eyes or sleeping pills because I'm not the not so distant past. I took a overnight flight and it was like 11 hour flight. And it was one of those planes that was like 1,000 rows and I was in the 999 uh-huh. seat. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was in the middle seat. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I got to my seat in the middle. On my right is a very, very large tall man. On my left is a really sweet, sort of late 60s, early 70s one. And I'm saying, it is so tight. It's not even like we're touching, we are overlapping. No!
1: On 11 hours? 11 hours.
0: And I'm sort of, like, the minute that I get strapped into my seat, I'm feeling like, this is not good. Yeah. And I never take sleeping pills. My dad and my brother had given me sleeping pills, being like, he might want this. It's a long flight. So I'm sitting there being like, I'm taking a sleeping (laughs) pill. So I took one, and I remember the plane was really cold. So I asked the Really nice flight attendant for extra blankets. I put one around my legs, one around my torso, one around my shoulders, oh my gosh. and I basically mummify myself. to bed. <laughs> I get into the air. Every the walls are closing in. <laughs> no. It is everything like the people are getting tighter. So I was like, I need another sleeping pill. So oh, I put no. in. Oh <laughs> no!
1: Oh no! Oh, oh no! It
0: works. Yes. Slept so, the whole night. I woke up. So, like breakfast service is happening. Moved around a little bit, and I looked. Learned- <laughs> I am wearing the woman's shoes (laughs)
1: sitting next to me. No. No. They're on your feet. I'm not like, not like (laughs) toes. Like, I am fully wearing her shoes. They
0: are slip-on sketchers.
1: Oh, no. no. Oh, my God. Black
0: and white (laughs) lace-up sketchers. I can't deal with this.
1: (laughs) No, alien yeah. will. You can't. That I've is what will happen. I I am Either squarely about her, in
0: the shoes. And she's watching TV. And I'm like, I have like the mannequin I challenge. Don't even I don't know how you got them. This is what's going to in my head. How did you do, do this? How long ago did I take them? Have I been wearing them for two hours? Yes. Did I use my hands?
1: Did I? Did she get up? Did she watch me put on her <laughs> right. shoes? Right. Oh my God. So many questions. Is she
0: cold because I'm wearing her shoes and she's not wearing her shoes? Oh, by the way, does the guy know I'm wearing her shoes? Where are my shoes? <laughs> I do this. This is what happened. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I have two options. I can tell her this is so weird. I'm so sorry. I happen to be
1: wearing her shoes. Or I don't. Oh my god. Please. And it's me, honestly I'm nicely. so sorry,
2: miss I happened to but be wearing oh, I know. Married. Like, how do you eat I don't know. I don't even know how you broke yes the Yes. Well guess on.
0: what? You don't. This is what I did. I, I pretended to stretch. By the way, it's so tight, you cannot pretend. And I went. I stuck my legs under her chair.
1: And slipped them off. Thank God! I never have to see people you sit next
2: to on please ever again. <laughs> oh my! And then God. I just sat there
0: and she didn't acknowledge it and <laughs> she was so sweet. Classes, short hair, the whole thing. <laughs> Ugh. And oh I just God. put my own shoes back on and then I got off the plane and I was like Some- something really bad has happened to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so I've never so taken this same pill. You definitely, definitely used your hands. It's like there's <laughs> no way.
0: You took her shoes. Yes and she probably did see for how many hours do you think? Like, do you think she was just like, look at this <laughs> woman wearing my sketchers this time? So do you think she's warm? Because the plane was so freaking cold. I can't <laughs> believe this is such a good story. story. You guys, this was so much fun. So much
1: fun. dinner. So, Where wow. is she
0: now? Where is she now? She's is she so telling cool. this
1: story? She's so nice. She's so she definitely fine. knows everything that happened. I mean, so I definitely nice. have
2: never not I would def- There's no circumstance in which I wouldn't notice somebody taking my shoes. What if on they were a plane? on? Like, what if I? What if like, you oh. asked
1: her? Like, can I have it? Like, you don't know what happened. Yeah, you like, have, no idea. You have no idea what happened.
0: They were on her. <laughs> you, <laughs> I mean, what if the reason she did not say anything is because we actually had a conversation about it. this? Exactly. Like, I'm
1: so cold. I'm so cold. And she's like, "You can have my shoes. Yes, I will take oh my them." God. This is not cost my life. Oh, it's incredible!
2: Wow, that was oh, amazing. God. The wonders so are yeah, the travel. Yeah, you're so therefore you're on a day flight. Um, <laughs> this was lovely. This, this so was fun so much fun. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for having dinner with Thanks me. Thanks for having us the best. Daddy.
0: And really good swan.
2: Oh amazing food all around. Yes.
0: That was a really, really fun dinner. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It means the world to me to have you. And because our dinner table is big enough for everyone, I'd love to invite you to invite a friend to our dinners by sending a link to the show. Follow the show so you can get new episodes every Tuesday at dinner time. We only have three episodes left this season, so you won't want to miss it. You can also join our community of listeners on Instagram at overdinnertonight. We post behind-the-scenes shots and showcase all of our delicious dishes and nuggets of wisdom from our guests. Over Dinner Tonight is produced in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Madison Lesby, Danielle Roth, Whitney Shepherd, and Morgan Foose. Our production team in Los Angeles is Chris Jacobs, Jackson McLennan, and Kenesha Gill. See you next week.